Welcome back to the Women of the Word podcast. I'm Lauren here with Jen Wilkin. Jen, last week we heard about your heart and your love for Bible literacy. Mm-hmm. And now it's one thing to know that studying the Bible is important. It's another thing to actually pick up your Bible and study it. For sure. So today I think it's helpful if we talk about overcoming a few common barriers mm-hmm. to studying the Bible, mm-hmm. things that make Bible study difficult. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your experience as a Bible study leader and what your teaching environment has looked like for the past 10 years or so. Yeah, it's actually been really varied. Um, okay. I, I've been teaching the Bible in some form for about the last 25 years or so. And that could look like anything from a room of about 30 women at my church in a church building to my living room. I've had you know anywhere from eight to 45 women wow. crammed into my living room <laughs> at any given time. And then I've taught uh, essentially parachurch in the community I taught a a community format for about six years, and then currently I'm teaching in my local church, which is where the only place I've ever wanted to be was teaching the Bible in my local church, and that's a large format um, Bible study, but I always, always, always think back to those living room days and those days when it was a small enough room to where we were having dialogue around the things that we were learning, because that's really where I learned in in short order like you know you can ask a question of a room full of people and hear immediately whether the question was actually eliciting the answer you were headed for or whether they went down a rabbit trail or (laughs) and you also get a really good feel for what people know and don't know and you know what was the question that was hard for them was it hard for them because i didn't ask it right or was it hard for them because it's a hard concept and something they need to think about more so, um, you know, I know I would imagine there will be some, some women who are listening to this who are thinking, I want to do that. I need to be, I want to be teaching, mm-hmm. you know, someone else. Uh, and I would just say, you really, you, you, I can't overstate the significance of those living room experiences or those small format experiences for knowing not just the why, but the who of Bible literacy. You know, everything from young moms to elderly women, all kinds of life stages and circumstances. And it makes a big difference when you don't just want to teach the Bible, but you want to teach people the Bible. It just changes the way that you think about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. And all of this relates to Bible literacy because it it isn't just enough to say, here, I'm going to give you good tools. It needs to be, I see you, I love you, I know right where you are, and I want to give you good tools. Wow. Well, and I'm sure in all of your experience as a Bible study teacher, you've heard from a lot of different women, maybe some creative reasons why (laughs) maybe they've come to a study unprepared. What is maybe one or two stories of some of the craziest excuses you've heard of why they've come to a study not not done their homework or not ready to participate in discussion. Uh, a, a lot of it is, you know, plumbing broke or yeah. <laughs> baby didn't sleep or something like that. The the most interesting one that's happened recently was a whole group of women showed up unprepared because apparently when we had the workbooks printed, they printed two of the same week twice <laughs> and left out two weeks okay. of their homework. So Feels I was like, like well, that's, that's on us. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> right. I don't even know how that happens. Uh, and they're, But then it's so funny because they're all, you know, ner- they're like, I would have done it. I would have yeah. done it. I couldn't. It wasn't in there. So it's been kind of funny. But we kind of make sure at the beginning of each um, semester, we do things in a semester 
format that we say really clearly, hey, we know there are going to be weeks where you didn't get to do the homework and that's okay. Um, we're hoping that they're going to understand the value of the homework by by the time they reach the end of a study, but we know they might not immediately and that your understanding of its value grows the more that you utilize it. So we just always say, hey, if you have a week where you weren't able to do the homework, we understand. Just read through the passage three or four times before you come if you can, and that'll help you to be ready to receive the teaching. Because a lot of the, I don't know that, people don't always realize that what I've written in Women of the Word is what I would say the first day of Bible study if I had six and a half hours, and I definitely don't. <laughs> uh, it's basically laying out a philosophy of learning that then the studies that I've taught are, are helping people to implement. So it's almost like this is the recipe book and then the Bible study spaces, and I would hope that women who are gonna take this and use it in a local church context would think about it this way. The Bible study spaces are where we say, okay, we've shown you the recipe, but now we're going to stand next to you and help you cook the meal. Mm -hmm. uh, there, you know, there is a hand-holding element to this that's important. It's not enough to just tell someone how to do something. It's really helpful when someone will show you and, and walk with you through the process. And obviously life happens. Mm -hmm. There's reasons that, you know, things happen in their lives. They can't get to homework. Right. And it's important that they just kind of show up to do the Bible study with the group of people anyway. Mm -hmm. Do you think on a deeper heart level, there's hesitations that people have about uh, just, you know, being uncertain about why, about being able to do this for themselves just more generally. So it's one thing mm -hmm. if, you know, your plumbing breaks in your house mm -hmm. or you literally don't have the lesson <laughs> that you're supposed to do that week. But is there, do you hear from people regularly of just kind of a, an underlying hesitation or skepticism about themselves of, man, I'm just, I'm not sure, I didn't do this because I'm just not sure mm -hmm. that I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there are a lot of women who feel like they don't know where to start or they question whether they even have the like the mental capacity yeah. to do it. You know, one of the biggest things that it has to be relearned, I think, for for people when they start into this space is that many of us have forgotten what it means to be a student. We've been out of school for a while. Mm -hmm. A lot of things have happened to us in the interim. Yeah. You know, some of us have started <laughs> families or we have a job that's sucking the life out of us or that we love. And uh, we've allocated our time lots of places. And then we hear this and we might perceive an initial need for it and even have some level of desire, but we just think, that's not me. I mean, I'm not academic. I, I, I wasn't even maybe that good in school at, at uh, some of the classes that I took. So that's, I don't know. And um, that's very common. And again, a lot of what um, I'm offering to women are things that we probably should have learned in our high school English class, but for whatever reason they didn't stick. Maybe we didn't have a teacher who was particularly energizing in, develop, in delivering that content to us. Or maybe just uh, from a maturity standpoint, we weren't old enough to value what it was that was being offered to us. And so um, there's really not um, a secret to, to what is being offered when you start talking about Bible literacy. It's a it's just literacy tools that we're going to apply to the Bible. And so if you were maybe not that avid of a learner the first time these tools were presented to you in your in your just standard education path, this is an opportunity to remember what it means to be a learner. 
And I always try to tell people like, think about your most positive memory of learning. What's the thing that you've learned that brought you the most excitement and joy? And then ask yourself, is it possible that I could feel that way about learning the Bible? And I think a lot of us just can't even conceive of that because it's never been uh, an opportunity we've gotten to explore. Yeah, it probably feels a little bit more like a task to do. Absolutely. Drudgery. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. There's not the joy aspect of it that people mm -hmm. think of or mm -hmm. associate with studying the Bible. Mm -hmm. Even maybe that word can kind of trip people up. We're Which studying. Is, yeah, and that's a lot of like what I want to do with my teaching. And I know a lot of other women who are out there trying to faithfully teach the Bible is I, I do want to teach the Bible well, but I also want to show people how much I love it and the way that I'm teaching it because they can't picture it until they can see it. And then they think, I want that. Why when I read it, does it feel boring and confusing? And when she reads it, she seems to really come alive. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying is this is why. This is why someone didn't just tell me things. They showed me some ways to, to grow. So now that we've kind of come to the conclusion that there are some barriers for people getting into the Bible, there could be the desire that I really want to do this. I know it's important. I hear what you're saying, Jen, that Bible literacy is important. I need to be in my Bible maybe a little bit more intentionally or a lot more intentionally mm -hmm. than I have been in the past. But here's X reason, for whatever reason, that I feel like I can't. So mm -hmm. maybe let's get into some of those barriers that yeah. some women might be feeling mm -hmm. or experiencing. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can speak to those um, and how they can kind of overcome them, work to overcome them yeah. in their own lives. So I know for me personally, and a lot of people, a lot of my friends or people that I go to church with, one of the main reasons that it's hard to do Bible study and Bible work on Bible literacy mm -hmm. is just the time factor. Mm -hmm. uh, I say constantly, well, I, don't, I just don't know when I'm going to have the time. I don't mm -hmm. really have the time. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say to that? Well, that's me. I mean, that's how I feel about it. And yeah. I think that's the way a lot of us feel. And I always joke, but I'm actually serious that the reason I teach regularly is because I need that level of accountability <laughs> to get me to give it the time that it should take. I need to know someone is going to be staring at me, waiting for me to help them gain understanding. Uh, and so, yeah, they're all my accountability group. Everybody I'm teaching my extended accountability group. Um, and it's true. We all only have so much time in our days. And for those of us who are trying introduce something new into an existing schedule, you do sometimes have to do some work to ask, well, where am I currently spending my time? Where could I find time for this? And, um, you know, I don't know everybody's schedules. I know what draws me into things of lesser value. And so I can go back and reevaluate, well, am I, how much time am I giving to screens? You know, how much yeah. time am I giving to social media? But the reality for all of us is we all give time to things that we value. We do. We yep. all give time to things that we value. And um, especially like for church leaders, I'll often hear church leaders say, well, Jen, this is great, but our people are too busy. They won't do that. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, well, but your people are doing Whole30 and they're running <laughs> marathons and they are at the CrossFit gym. They are following compelling messages to do hard things. Um, discipline is not dead. It just follows the most compelling message. And so what I want to do is compel people to have discipline around what I believe is the most compelling message of all. And then they can work out their time constraints on their own. Um, you know, we do have discretionary time and we choose how we're using it. And then, um, but I do also want to say as someone who had four children in four years <laughs> that I full and who's caring for aging parents at this stage of life. 
I do understand that there are some seasons of life in which we have less discretionary time than in others. That's a, that is a true statement. The trick is when you pass out of one of those stages into a stage where you do have more discretionary time to revisit where you've allocated your time. Uh, it's one thing to be in a, like a maintenance phase during a really, really busy season, but um, those seasons don't last forever. And so then regaining, recapturing, or finding space for a good habit on the other side of one of those seasons, this is important. I've also heard from women that I go to church with or that I was in college with mm -hmm. that Another reason that they might not be interested in biblical literacy, Bible literacy, is because they like to read the Bible at, devotionally, not like a textbook. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, devotional reading has its place. Uh, in my experience, some of us are only reading devotionally, and not all devotional content is equally valuable, but we won't understand which devotional content is truly good and which is maybe just playing to our emotions if we don't have a foundational understanding of the scriptures. And so I would say if you love devotional reading, praise God, you are going to love it more if you start exercising some Bible literacy tools. I think you will be drawn more toward some people's devotional content than others as a result of that because you'll begin to, again, peer behind the curtain and see who understands what truly beautiful devotional content is and who understands human nature and is um, offering you um, just a, a quick fix on your emotions potentially. So one of the things you mentioned was having discipline. Mm -hmm. Part of uh, utilizing our time well is having discipline to kind of know how we're spending it and then being able to choose wisely about reading the Bible, studying the Bible. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to the person who says, well, I just, I'm not very good at discipline. I'm not a very disciplined person. I don't really do that. Mm -hmm. How would you respond to that? Yeah, that's me. That's why I come up with structure to mm -hmm. help, right? And I yeah. think the undisciplined person, the person who, I do think we all tend to be disciplined and dedicated to the things that we care a lot about. And so, um, you know, this is why part of what I want to do is help people care about this in a way that maybe they haven't been challenged to before. But I don't consider myself to be a particularly disciplined person. And so I'm very aware of my own need for structure and for handholding and for accountability. And accountability sounds menacing, uh, and it shouldn't. It just really means I'm not going to try to do this alone because I know that I'm probably going to be more motivated to uh, invest in this if I have some fellow travelers and some people who are going to ask me, hey, did you do this this week or not, right? So that's, yeah. that's the basics of any form of discipline or habit forming. And it's no different for uh, learning how to study the Bible either. So how should I think about, or how should other people who might enjoy devotional reading mm -hmm. think about balancing reading the Bible devotionally versus doing the hard work of Bible literacy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say if you were having an issue with how you were spending your money and you went to someone and said, I don't want, I want to make sure I'm spending my money in smart ways, um, the first thing that they would ask you to do is not make a budget. What would they do first? they'd say, well, how are you spending your money currently, yeah, right? right? And then you would go and do an inventory and say, oh, I'm actually spending way more than I mean to on eating out or on entertainment or whatever it is. And so um, when it comes to thinking about how to budget our time around devotional reading, the first step is to ask, well, how much of the total time that I'm spending interacting with my Bible is devotional and how much of it is uh, literacy building 
or how much is, is a Bible reading plan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and so for many of us, we just over time gravitate toward the thing that feels most intuitive or comfortable for us at the expense of other things. So I would say for me, the press is, are you doing any devotional reading? You know, or are you only doing study? Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and, and then I would also say that um, if you're doing Bible literacy properly, if you're growing in your use of the tools, your study is deeply devotional. It just, it, it becomes that. And I think we, we think we need prepackaged things a lot. And so over time, as you grow in your skill of utilizing the tools, you may discern, discern that you have less of a need for someone else to draw you into a devotional space because your reading of the scriptures is doing that more organically on its own. So there could be people who are listening to this episode or this podcast and they think, wow, that sounds really awesome. I know that I need to be more intentional with how I study the Bible and building my Bible literacy, but it just sounds really hard and it might just be too hard for me to do. Yeah, it's. It, I would say you should be encouraged. It's not hard. It's just unfamiliar, and um, so you know, there's really. I an example I'll use a lot is uh, my son learning to play the piano, right? And he wanted to learn. He liked the idea of playing the piano. He knew that that was a good thing to pursue, but the first time that he sat down to practice, he was terrible at it and it was frustrating and he felt dumb. And that's a lot of what we don't like, right? Like we don't want that feeling of, ugh, I'm not, I'm not succeeding. And I would like to succeed in the near term, not the long term. And so the reason that my son now plays the piano beautifully is because he came back and he sat down and he did it again and he got a little better. And then he came back and he sat down and he did it again and he got a little better. And I don't, I I wouldn't say that his enjoyment of playing the piano was the immediate yield of his practice efforts. I think that took some time. Uh, But the the better he got at it, the more enjoyment it, it yielded. Um, because he was growing in his proficiency. And it wasn't just that he was growing in his proficiency. This goes back to that connection of head and heart and hands, right? Mm-hmm. Is that his the, the work that his brain was doing to learn the piano was actually connecting to his heart as well. He wasn't just learning to love piano music. He was learning to love expressing that music as well. And so um, I'd say... When you, when you think about the Bible, it seems boring and old and dull and inaccessible. Um, but uh, the first time that you sit down to a musical instrument or try to learn a new skill of any kind, you generally don't have the desire for it that you should, and it grows over time. So maybe just talking a little bit to that desire piece, mm-hmm. people who look at the Bible and they say, it just kind of feels, the Old Testament mm-hmm. is kind of boring, hard to read. I don't really know what I'm doing. What would you say for people who they think, I just don't know if I even have the desire. Sometimes I feel like that Mm -hmm. even. Wake up in the morning and I'm like, I just don't really know if I feel like doing this this morning necessarily. Mm -hmm. How do you instill desire for something if you don't necessarily feel like you want to do that? Yeah, well, unfortunately, so much of adulthood is doing things that we don't want to do (laughs) because we have to do them, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, And I think that it's not uncommon for the Bible literacy journey to start a little bit that way, right? It starts a little bit that way, but we also recognize as adults that there are things that we started to do out of a sense of duty that eventually grew to be things that we actually enjoyed doing. And I actually don't think, I do think that your desire for doing this grows over time, but I don't think it takes 10 years. 
for, for that to happen. Sure. Because I think for so many of us, we we don't realize how little we did know until we start to get into it. And then we, we start to make these discoveries and the joy of discovery keeps drawing us along. Uh, I think in the book, I talk about a study about how how desire functions in our lives. And there's a, there's a, I'm a Southern Baptist, so this is a terrible example for me to use, but it was about the, the, the man who was doing the research talks about how, how we grow in our desire. And he says, he uses wine connoisseurs and as, as an example, and he says, it turns out that um, people who um, are wine connoisseurs don't become wine connoisseurs simply by guzzling a lot of wine. They it's not by having repeated experiences, which I think is what we have told ourselves is the nature of our desire in the Christian walk is I need to have an experience of God over and over again. That's what the secret sauce is of Christianity. And he says that, that a wine connoisseur becomes a connoisseur, their desire um, for, for that grows as they learn more. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you think about the knowledge of God, which is really what we're after when we come to the scriptures, is that act of saying, I'm gonna learn more about him, but not as a dry intellectual inner, uh, exercise. I'm, I'm gonna learn more about him as a means to an end because to know him is to love him. There is nothing I can learn about him that is unlovely and it will only increase my affection for him. And so I think that if you, if you say, I don't have desire around reading the Bible, yeah, I think a lot of people would say that. Um, but do you have a desire to love God more? I think a lot of people would say, I do. I just, but I feel like I don't know how to get that started. Yeah. And so I would say maybe maybe you're missing this key piece, which is um, where God discloses himself um, and recognizing that the, the more you know him, uh, if the spirit indwells you, the more your affection for him is going to just explode. Yeah. So it's important really just to keep the end goal in mind. I think sometimes that's hard when you have you know, if you're in a Bible study where mm -hmm. there's homework, mm -hmm. sometimes it's, I just need to do my homework mm -hmm. or I need to just, it's kind of checking the thing off the list. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think we ask these questions or these barriers exist mm -hmm. in our lives because we lose sight of the end goal. And mm -hmm. that ultimately we're doing Bible study, like you said, to love the Lord, to know the Lord mm -hmm. more. And then that kind of just will help some of those barriers to naturally fall by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our barriers are because we have approached the Bible first with our hearts, you know, yeah. like make me feel some way, make right. me feel some way. And then you hit Leviticus and you're like, ooh, I'm not really sure how to feel <laughs> about that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and not only that, but we've come to the Bible reading it fundamentally as a book about us. Yeah. You know, we want it to tell me about me. And that's, again, we're going back to the two eyes I mentioned mm -hmm. in our previous um, episode, instant gratification and individualism. Like, I want this to be a book about me. And it's it's not the, the it's not that it isn't a book about me, but it's only derivatively so. First and foremost, the Bible is a book about God. And so I think because we have gotten a couple of things backwards with it, we do tend to approach the book and meet with frustration because we thought it was doing one thing and it's actually doing something different and better than we thought it was, but we we haven't been given any uh, helps to know how to read it that way in many cases. Yeah. Are there any of these barriers that we've talked about or discussed in the past, or maybe a different one that we haven't, that you personally struggle with the most? Oh man, I don't think there's one that I don't, yeah. you know? And, I, and I, I'm empathetic 
to it. And I do think that uh, it's one of the reasons that I've kept going with the messaging is because I needed this help and I continue to need this help. And I think for the person who's listening, thinking, yeah, I do feel all of those things and I don't know where to start and I don't know, um, there can be a sense of, and that's on me. Like I have failed in some way because um, I, why are other people all feeling this and doing this? Or how come no one is doing this, depending right. on what church you're in? You know, why are you telling me that this is important? I don't know anyone who's doing this. And that is actually not a failure on the part of the learner. That is, uh, in my view, something that has gone missing in uh, church leadership. It's something that people like me who work on church staffs should have called people toward and to and um, and given them a vision for. And so if if you're just consider yourself, if you consider yourself the average learner out there, I would just say to you, this isn't actually on you if this hasn't been given to you. Uh, but it is something if you perceive the need for it, you have the ability to move toward and um, and to grow in. And it's it will absolutely change everything about the way that you read the Bible. It'll change the way that you think about God. Um, I think it reorients us in the best way because when we begin to just read the scriptures, asking better questions of them, the very first thing I think that the scriptures yield up for us is a vision of God high and lifted up. And I can't think of something more needful in our particular age or in any age. So would you say, are there any good reasons to not study the Bible? Ooh, that's a spicy question, <laughs> and it's a good one. It really is one that we should ask. Are there any good reasons that we wouldn't? And spoiler alert, I would say, yeah, I think there are some good reasons. I think um, that there are seasons in life where we are barely getting by. Uh, so when you are in the dark night of the soul and when you are having a crisis, you're probably, maybe it's a circumstance, you know, maybe it's the bad health report or the loss of a loved one or something like that. And those are the moments in which we um, should be ideally drawing on resources that we have been sort of making faithful deposits of up until that point. Because honestly, no one is going to sit down and do a line by line Bible study of the book of Romans yeah. when they're in crisis right, or when right. they're in a deep depression, right? Whatever yeah. the thing is that is um, coming at you or, you know, or you have a newborn and you're getting two hours of sleep a night, whatever it is. And I, I always want to remind people that um, the Lord knows your season of life better than you do. Like he's not scolding you from on high because you can't pull it together and do your Bible study when you are in one of these times. But when I say that the, the Lord knows your season of life better than you do, that it should be a comfort to us when we are in that difficult time. And it should also be a caution to us when we're not. Right? right? And again, as I think we mentioned earlier, it's like um, knowing when you're in that season and giving yourself the permission to exhale um, and to have other people come to you and give you a word, right? I mean, I've had that happen. When you're low and you're like, I don't even know if I can open this, this book right now. And someone else comes to you and says, hey, um, the Lord brought this passage to mind and I just wanted to share it with you today. Um, but then to know when you're not in that season anymore and to be able to pick up the work and, and move forward again, knowing that it's good work and it's sustaining work in those seasons when we're just barely getting by. So I'm sure that there's times where, you know, people have been putting the work into their Bible study. Mm -hmm. They're in a season where they have the ability to really focus in 
do the hard work, but they feel maybe that they're not getting anywhere or they don't see a lot of fruit coming from it and they might be starting to get discouraged. I know sometimes that's happened in my own Bible studies where mm -hmm. I put a lot of work into studying a passage and I'm just like, I just am not quite sure if I'm getting out of it when I'm supposed to be getting out of it. I don't see a lot of fruit coming out of it. I don't even really know if I am feel like I'm gaining new knowledge. Yeah. What would you say to people who feel discouraged by their, their slow pace of change or if they just kind of feel like they've been plodding away, doing the hard work, but maybe not seeing a lot of fruit or growth in their own lives? Mm -hmm. I would say um, maybe give yourself a, a break. Don't be so hard on yourself <laughs> and tr uh, trust the process, I think is the phrase that floats around out there. Uh, allow things time. You know, we live in a day and age where I think our attention spans have shrunk to shorter than eight seconds, so shorter than a goldfish. So it's no wonder that we would be impatient with the state of our progress with regard to something that really is a long game when everything around us is telling us we don't have to be patient with anything, not one single thing. We live in a time where waiting is seen as an enemy to be destroyed, not a discipline to be embraced. And so uh, if you think about the discipline of Bible literacy and all of the different things, it might be a subset discipline of those. One of them is certainly the ability to wait. So keep fighting the good fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And trust that the Lord is going to yield fruit in due season. I'm yeah. a gardener. And so yeah. I often think if more of us were spending time outside in the garden, watching the life cycle of a plant that actually bears physical fruit, Fruit. Yeah. We have more of an understanding of that metaphor in the scriptures that it, it does take time. And unlike my garden where we never know if it will survive long enough to bear fruit, <laughs> uh, we have a lot of assurances in the scripture that That's the word right. of the Lord always does. Definitely. That's so encouraging. Thanks, Jen, for joining me today talking about these. I'm sure I know personally that I've heard myself in some of those common barriers. I've struggled with them. I'm sure people listening have felt the same way. And so really encouraging to know that the ultimate goal of studying the Bible is to know and love the Lord yeah. and that when we keep pressing, he's faithful uh, to make good on his word and to, to bear fruit in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to invite those people in who might be feeling the same way that we're going to, in the next few episodes, give them some real tools to help them uh, continue that process for themselves. So. Thanks again for joining us for the Women of the Word podcast. Join us again next week where Jen and I will talk about if there's a right or a wrong way to study the Bible. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and we'll see you all again here next week.